Good morning, Connecting Church. This is the day that the Lord has made. We rejoice and we are glad in it. It is a real joy to be here with you again in these interesting times that we're in. And I'm thankful for uh, Pastor Hubbard and for the Connecting Church for once again inviting us to be here on this day uh, to share with you the Word of God. Uh, so we thank God for His goodness, for His mercy, for His grace, all what He has done for us, in us, and through us. And so this morning I want to uh, leave you a word of encouragement and hopefully give you a word this morning that will keep you on your feet in these tough and difficult days. I want to read to you Paul's letter <clears throat> to his young son Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning at verse 1 and concluding at verse 13. And it reads, You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses. Entrust it to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. <clears throat> Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather he tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, if anyone competes as an athlete, he does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive his share of crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, and the Lord will give you insight into all of this. You can read these following verses for your own devotional experience. For this moment, I want to share with you a word uh, entitled, A Christian Word for Tough Times. A Christian word for tough times. Robert Shuler, who has gone on to be with the Lord now, he has folded up his tent and moved upstairs, coined a phrase years ago, that tough times never last, but tough people do. All of us know something, do we not, about tough times. And maybe God this morning is trying to take us through something that he may fortify something in us. God is trying to take us through something that he may fortify something in us. These are tough times. For the last nine months, like you, we have not been in our church, and I've taken on the challenge of preaching to a camera. And yet, in these moments, God has reminded us that he is with us. Coronavirus, tough times. Over 200,000 people have lost their lives. Americans, these are tough times. Racial tension, a land that is filled with division, these are tough times. From George Floyd to Breonna Taylor, we all know something, do we not, about these tough times and these difficult moments. There will be tough times. It does not matter who we are or how much we love Jesus. 
It does not inoculate us from the moments of tough times or tough experiences in our life. But Paul gives us a word, a Christian word, if you will, in these tough times. He writes to his young son, Timothy, and to us this morning to give us some helpful holy hints. Timothy was having a tough time in Ephesus. And Paul writes to him these very words to endure, he says in verse 3, hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. In other words, hang on in there (laughs) because tough times never last, but tough people do. Now, you don't have to pretend to be tough. And you'll discover this morning that you don't have to take on life's difficult circumstances by yourself. But if you know that there is a God who is with you, then you can endure the tough times of life. Paul writes and he gives us these words when a church is under persecution and tough times. He said the first thing that we need to do is we need to stand on the truth. We we live in a world where uh, truth has become minimized, that we can hear from places of power and places where we ought to sense confidence in the truth that there's no truth coming from these places. But Paul says, stand on the truth. And when truth crushed to the earth rises again, God reminds us that if we learn how to stand on the truth of his word, that when heaven and earth will pass away, uh, his word will stand forever, stand on the truth. But then he says something else. Not only do you need to stand on the truth, but also be strong. He's not telling us to be strong in our own power or to be strong in our own might. He was saying that we have something that we can lean on in these difficult times. Horatio Spafford would write those words when he found himself going through difficult times, he said that we can lean, lean on God's everlasting arm, that when we don't have any other arms to lean on, God has given us arms that we can lean on. And then he says something else. Not only do we need to stand on the truth or to be strong in the Lord, but he also says, be careful who you surround yourself with, particularly when you're going through discouragement. You know, there's something about being discouraged that that misery loves company. And if you're not careful, if you hang around the wrong people, particularly when you are discouraged, there are people who have been designed to bring you down. And so you have to make sure that you're around people who will lift you up people who will encourage you, people that you can find strength in. You see, I always tell folks, if you want to know where you're going, all you have to do is watch who you hang around because who you hang around is who you ultimately become. So he says we got to make sure that we entrust this word to reliable men. He's really talking about the dissemination of the gospel that we don't have to try to sweeten it up, that we can tell it like it is. Because when we do that, that the truth has a way of piercing through 
uh, the darkness of our life and bringing us to the light. So it says that we ought to stand on the truth. We ought to be strong in the power of the Lord and to surround ourselves with reliable men, with other believers that we can gain strength from, particularly in these difficult moments. But then he gives us these images, these metaphors that I want to leave with you today, that when you have tough times, and when you have difficult days, he says, this is what you and I need to do. And I'm not going to be long today. I just want to give you these words of wisdom and the words of encouragement that will hold you in the difficult moments. He says the first thing that we need to do is we need to have the dedication of a soldier. When I was growing up at my little home church, we used to sing that I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord, and I promised him that I would serve him until I die. We are soldiers in God's army. And he says, like a soldier, you need to have the dedication of a soldier. Uh, my, my brother uh, is a retired Marine, and he served in the Marine Corps for almost 16 years. And although it's been years that he has hung up his uniform, and was discharged from the army of honorable discharges. There's something about him that even when he does not have his uniform on, you know that there's something about him distinctive in the way that he walks, uh, in the way that he talks, uh, that, that, that no matter, even if he does not have his uniform on, you know that he is a soldier. Well, what is the Christian's uniform? I'm glad you asked. It's not just army fatigues. It's, it's not just a hat or weaponry, but there's something about the Christian armor. And Paul reminds us that what we ought to do is that when people see us, they don't have to ask if we are a Christian. They don't have to ask if we are a believer. But by our joy, the uniform of joy that we wear in our heart, in our character, in our disposition, that, that's what ought to give us away. You see, long before people see us, they ought to see our joy. And joy does not mean that everything is going well. It means that God has given you something on the inside that when everything on the outside seems to be tumbling away, God gives us a resolute, a resignation of joy that we know everything is going to be all right. In other words, in other words that, that joy is the temperature that God gives us that is a climate control. You know, that they have these fancy cars now that, that uh, I got in one of my friend's cars, and you could actually speak to it. And you could say, I'm, I'm cold. And you don't have to tell it what temperature to turn to. It, it has sensory designs that it can sense your body temperature. And it will know the, uh, the temperature that it needs to be placed on to keep you warm when you're cold. Or you can say, I'm hot. And it has climate control sensitivity that will cool you off when you're hot. I said, that's some kind of call right there. I, that's a long way from where I come from 
Oh, that, that, that's a long way. But, but, but God has given us a climate control that no matter what's going on around us, God has given us something on the inside that we say we're not going to let anything disturb our joy, our confidence, that no matter how bad it looks, everything is going to be all right. So we got to have, number one, the dedication of a soldier. And we got to, we got to know that we are in the army of the Lord. But then he says something else about this soldier. He says that a soldier does not focus in on civilian affairs. But he wants to obey the command of his commander. In other words, don't spend our time sweating the small stuff. Don't, don't spend your time focusing in on the minor. Take care of the major. Don't, don't, don't spend your time worrying about things that you have absolutely no control over. Those are civilian affairs. And what we ought to do is be on the mission to say whatever it is that God has put me here to do, that no matter what comes my way, I am a soldier in the army of the Lord. He says you ought to have a dedication of a soldier. But then he says something else. Secondly, that we need the discipline of an athlete. Uh, Paul knew something about that, the discipline of an athlete. He speaks of those times uh, when he was in the Roman Greco world. And there in that time, he would see soldiers, or athletes rather, uh, that were in the Olympiad, and they were there in the Colosseum. And these athletes were training uh, specifically for uh, the, uh, the possibility of competing in the games. But they didn't just train on game day. They didn't just rather show up on game day and perform. Uh, they, they had to train through the week, many of them months and months, so that when they got there on game day, they were prepared for the event. Come here for a minute. Yes, sir. The games of life are not won on game day. Yes, sir. They're won on the practice field. And there are times where God will allow you to go through some things. And what you have to understand, that's just practice. <laughs> if you're in an awkward circumstance, that's just practice. If you lost your job, that's just practice. You're trying to figure out how you're going to survive, that's just practice. If somebody had walked away from you, that's just practice. But 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 God says, I put that in you and I allowed you to go through that so that when game day came around you would be prepared because you've already been persevering in your practice I, I, I'm reminded I'm reminded of an athlete by the name of Derek Redmond and Derek Redmond was scheduled to uh, compete in the Olympic Games in Barcelona in 1992 and he was on the docket to run the 800 meters. Everybody knew that Derek was going to win uh, because all of the commercials geared toward his victory. All of the advertisements said that Derek Redmond was going to win. He was favored to win by a long shot. And they lined up, and Derek Redmond had trained four years. 
uh, to win this race. He lined up at the starting gate, and the gun went off, and Derek Redman took the lead, as everybody knew he would. But in the middle of the race, he pulled a hamstring, and his hamstring began to snap. And he slowed up, and that steady pace turned into a limp, and he started hopping. And his father looked over in the stands and saw that his son was barely making it through. He jumped over the stands, put his hands around the shoulder of his son, and all the way to the end, they hopped to the finish line. And Derek Redmond, who was scheduled to win the race, uh, everybody passed him up, and he came in dead last. And when he got to the end of the finish line, all of the reporters, they didn't run to the guy that ran and won first place. They all ran to Derek Redmond. And they asked him, hey, man, why after you had snapped your hamstring that you didn't stop running for the race? You kept on running even though you knew that you were going to come in dead lad. You could have just stopped right there, gotten to ambulance, but you kept on running. And David Redman said, I worked too hard. I practiced through too much. I've been through too much not to at least finish what I started. And that's all God is saying to us today, that he has called us not to stop in the middle of the race, not to get discouraged because we got setbacks, not to fall apart because things in our life are falling apart, but to know that the race is not given to the swift or to the strong, but is given to those that will endure to the end. And so we need to, we need to have the dedication of, an, of a soldier, the discipline of an athlete. But then he gives us one last thing. And he says that you need to have the determination of a farmer. He moves from a soldier in the army of the Lord to an athlete that competes for the victor's crown to a farmer who is farming. Now, you understand that that, that Paul is coming up in these agrarian days where, where everybody, the way that they made their living, was farming. I, I, I knew something about that. Uh, I, I grew up on a farm uh, on the outskirts of Louisiana, a little small town called Marksville, Louisiana. And there at my grandfather's house, uh, it was a shotgun house with an outhouse in the backyard. Now, I know many of you millennials have no idea what an outhouse is, but just let me tell you, it ain't nothing pretty. <laughs> and, uh, and I remember uh, uh, my my grandfather, I didn't know that while he was there on the farm that he was teaching me some invaluable lessons uh, that I would be applying to my life later on in life. But he had this tractor that he would line up. <clears throat> and he said, now, he said, now, you have to understand, son, when you are plowing your row, yes, keep your head of the tractor as a gauge and don't turn right. And don't turn left, move forward. Yes, and plant your road. Don't don't turn right and don't turn left. And then periodically somebody would come by and they would blow their horns. 
and uh, blah, 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 blah. And I would think that Papa was uh, stuck up, uh, that he was sedated because he would never turn around and wave at the person who was blowing that horn. He would just throw his hands up and he would keep the road going forward. I, I, I didn't I didn't understand what, what he was doing. And, and, and one day I, I just asked him, I said, Papa, I said, I said, uh, uh, Auntie Daisy came by the, uh, the, the, uh, the plot where you were plowing and she blew a horn and you didn't turn around. And uh, I mean, what's wrong? Y'all have something going on? He said, no, 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 son. He said, you have to understand that that when you're plowing, yes, uh, you got to keep your head forward. And you can't move to the right and you can't move to the left because what's going to happen is you're going to plow a, crook, a crooked rope. And when harvest time comes, you're going to mess up everything that you planted. He said, now, but I also want to teach you another lesson. He says, I am the farmer. I'm not God. And it's my job to plant the seed. Yes, sir. Uh, it's my job to water the seed. And to cultivate the seed. But it's not my job to make it grow. <laughs> I, I wish I had some help right here. You, you see, it, 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 is, it is the preacher's job that he may equip you to do the work of the ministry. But like a good farmer, you got to be dedicated to what you're doing. And you got to understand that all of us grow at different levels and times of our life. But God is the one that gives the increase. And if you have shared the faith with someone, and they have not grown to the level of your expectation. It is not your responsibility to make anybody grow. Yes, sir. He says, like a good soldier, endure hardship. Stay in there like a good soldier and endure hardship. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. He says, but then also like an athlete, stay with it. Persevere. And even when there are difficult moments, know that God is with you, uh, that he will carry you when you can't carry yourself. But then like a farmer, he says a, a farmer is there to plant the seed. And as he plants the seed, God will give you the increase and he'll make it grow. But I want to give you one last thing. And I want to throw this in absolutely free. No charge. I want to throw this in absolutely free. And that is as a good soldier that we can endure because we are in a battle that's already won. Yes, sir. The, the, the battle have already been fought and the victory has already been won. You and I are in a battle. I got one witness right here. You and I are in a battle that has been fought yes, sir. and that's already been won. Now, you don't know that because while you're in it, it seems like it's impossible. It seems like it's difficult, but just know to hang on in there yes, because no matter how difficult circumstances may be, we can endure hardship as a good soldier because we are in a battle that's already won. When I, when I was growing up, and I sit down, when I was growing up uh, there, uh, right there on Rand Street and Majestic, uh, Rand Street and Majestic, uh, right there, off of Lockwood, I, I was going to Lockwood Elementary, and every day I would walk all the way down Rand Street to Lockwood from Majestic 
And then I'd take that right on Rand Street um, and, uh, and go all the way down. And I had this big afro. I looked like Michael Jackson. At least I thought I was Michael Jackson. And, uh, and I would take this long trip that seemed like forever for a six-year-old, and I would walk my way on to school. You know I'm dating my age. Everybody talking about how long they had to walk to school. But I, but I, I remember walking to school, and right there on the corner of Rand and Majestic was my neighbor that had a big dog behind the fence. Um, it didn't bother me because, I mean, the big dog was behind the big fence. So I just walked on through, and every time I'd get around that corner, I would love to taunt that dog, roof, 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 and that dog would stand up on the roof. It didn't matter because the big dog was behind the big fence. You're going to get that in a minute. And so every day uh, I would pass by, grab me a stick, rail it against that fence, and that dog would just go crazy, roof, roof, roof. But it didn't matter to me because the big dog was behind the big fence. And so and so anyway, um, one day school got out early. And I made my way there down the street. And once I got uh, on the corner of Rand Street, I picked me out a big stick because I was finna just play with that dog. And I turned around. I looked through the fence. I didn't see the dog. I looked on the corner. I, I didn't see the dog. And before I knew it, that dog was not behind the fence. That dog was above the fence, and he was standing right there at me. Now, you got to understand, I, I was six years old, uh, and I was there trembling with that stick in my hand, and I heard that dog, root, 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 and I just knew, I just knew, y'all, that that was the end of my life, that that uh, I, I was like Jesus on the cross. Lord, into thy hands do I commend my spirit. I, I, I give up the ghost because I knew that dog was going to get me. I knew that dog had remembered every time that I had taunted him. And he was just down, roof, roof, and he lunged at me. I lunged back. He lunged at me. I lunged back. And I just closed my eyes. I say, I know this dog is going to get me. And before I knew it, I looked down in the grass, and I saw this chain weaving through the grass. And before I knew it, when that dog jumped up, I didn't know that he had a collar around his neck, and the chain snatched him back. And I said, oh, yes, sir. And I grabbed, I grabbed that stick, picked it up, shook my shoulders, tilted my head back. And I said, come on now, dog, what you going to do now? Roof, roof, roof. It didn't matter because God had a chain around his neck. And I want you to know that the battle has already been fought. The victory has already been won. Satan may come to steal, to kill, and destroy, but God has already defeated him, and the battle has already been won. And no matter what you go through, you don't have to wait until the battle is over. You can shout right now. And you can endure hardship like a good soldier. If you learn how to hang in there like a good soldier and march to God's commands and obey the commanding of your, the, the officer, the commanding officer, if you can have the discipline of an athlete and you can hang on in there, even when you fall down, the challenge is to get back up again. Like a good soldier, like a good athlete, and like a good farmer. Endure until the end. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. 
These are difficult days and difficult moments. Moments we never thought we would see. Many of us who feel dispirited, discouraged, remind us today that you are God who is with us and that we are not by ourselves. Bless those who will hear this word. May it be a word of encouragement to us to just hang on in there to see what the end's going to be. And we already know that the battle has been fought and that the victory has been won. To God be the glory for the good things that he has done. Amen. Amen.